Welcome to the Forge America Additional Podcast. My name is Alan Bradford in Knoxville, Tennessee, and with me as always is Terry Ishi in Austin, Texas. How you doing, Terry? I'm doing well, man. How are you doing? I, you know, I can't complain. Uh, it is sunny out. It's way too hot because it's the South, but it is what it is. Uh, how are things in Texas? Uh, it's it's beautiful, actually. It's the uh, skies are blue, sunny, real nice. It's hot as all get out because it's Texas in August, but the kids are in school and uh, it's pretty peaceful. It's, it's yes. nice. Yeah, kids have been in school here for about two weeks uh, for us here in Knoxville as well. And that's that's always a beautiful thing, except for this whole COVID Delta variant thing, which I think we doomed ourselves when we started talking about, you know, questions the church should be asking. We started saying, hey, here are the questions we're saying we're asking as we move out of quarantine. <laughs> and now it's it's all hitting right the fan again, in. right back right. in. So whatever, uh, we'll keep going. Uh, but what we're excited about today is we have our good buddy Dwight Weber. And we were just actually talking. Dwight, we've actually never met you in person. We've only ever met during quarantine. Isn't that right? That's right. It's all been Zoom. And that's right. Um, and you look great, by the way. I don't know. I don't know if you noticed that coming out of COVID, uh, I now started meeting with people that I've been in COVID. And it's amazing how in, in Zoom, they're a, lot, they're a lot skinnier. So I just uh, compliment <laughs> you guys. You guys look great. Very nice. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're looking forward to actually getting to meet you in person, man. And that'll happen soon. Uh, but we met Dwight because he interacted with Forge a couple, I don't know, a year and a half, two years ago. And we, we trained him up to be a hub leader. And he leads the Forge Michiana hub up there in out of Elkhart, Indiana, which I just came to find out. I, I lived in Indiana for five years and Michiana, I'd heard of it. But I didn't know it was an actual, like, there's a wiki page for Michiana. And it is, what'd you say? It was everything northern Indiana and southern, uh, the southeastern part. North central Indiana and southwest Michigan, uh, an area of about a million people that, that marketing loves to call Michiana. South Bend and Elkhart, the two biggest cities in that in that area. And you're, you're stationed in Elkhart, right? I am. I am. Well, before we get too far into the Forge stuff, Dwight leads what's called Mission Igniter Michiana. And I'd love for you to unpack that for us. What is Mission Igniter in Michiana all about? Well, Mission Igniter Michiana is a subset of Mission Igniter generally. Mission Igniter is a church planning incubator uh, that cam- comes out of southern Michigan area, usually the Detroit area. They they come alongside the churches helping them to plant, whether it's a big box. And there's a number of us that have been in traditional ministry for a long time and have been intrigued and, and turned our hearts more towards those who typically wouldn't attend a traditional church. And so we're trying to foster uh, apostolic leaders in our region to, uh, to do things outside the four walls of the local church. And so our uh, Michiana, uh, Mission Igniter Michiana, is really our, our, we've been called to this area to plant a network of micro churches and uh, building off of kind of a combination of what the Fresh Expression Movement is doing, as well as, uh, say, Tampa Underground or Kansas City Underground, you know, that kind of a micro church type of movement. So we're early on. Uh, the joke is we moved into, we moved into the city two years ago. But we moved into our target neighborhood literally three weeks before the pandemic. So we've learned in, you know, when they talk about doing church without the queen, I mean, we've not had uh, not only a Sunday morning gathering, but we haven't had any gathering uh, for a long time. And so we're, it, it's really forced us to be creative, uh, but God has done some good things. And as any relational based ministry is, um, we're just now starting to see fruit in our neighborhood. 
And so if you guys want to connect with uh, Mission Igniter Michiana, you could check them out on Facebook. I know that your tag is facebook.com MI Michiana. But then also missionigniter.org is the is the organization as a whole. You could go check them out there. And then we do have a site just for us, and that's called uh, just MI Michiana for missionignitermichiana.org. Oh, okay. Well, I, I didn't do enough research. I should have found that, and I didn't do that. And I apologize, Dwight. No problem. All right. So again, you can check those guys out there. Well, Dwight, one of the things we'd love to know is, you know, how did you actually find out about Forge and get plugged into Forge? I have several friends in the Detroit area who have uh, really had their lives impacted by Forge. I've been, you know, following Alan Hurst for a long time and uh, been to um, Exponential and sat in on a number of the Exponential Exponential workshops. And now that we're here, part of our mission here in Michiana is to come alongside of local churches, pastors, and people, helping them look outside their four walls to find creative ways to reach those who would not attend the traditional church. And Forge naturally fits that. And so as I was doing the reading and the research, uh, and my friends in Detroit said, hey, you got to do this. I, I um, The first season of Forge for me, I wasn't certified. So I actually hosted a group and brought a friend uh, from Detroit, uh, uh, Mark Van Valen from our Detroit initiative and Mark came and led the group and I just hosted it. So now we're ready to move into year two and um, we could actually have a local group. And then I'm working with some guys in Indianapolis and and uh, to do two, possibly two lives in our denominational network and then also possibly one virtually. So those are still coming together. We're not for sure, but next year could actually work with four different Forge groups. And I'm really excited about that. Oh man, that, that's that's awesome. That's amazing, and we love Mark. Uh, Mark Van yes. Halen is part of our Forge Detroit uh, hub, and him and Eric Waskowitz have been good friends. And so I love how all you guys are just kind of connected in that region and and working together to to do something collaborative and and, and pretty amazing. I I do have a question though. I'm kind of curious how how are you bridging uh, your work with Forge? and Mission Igniter, because I love that you're you're using this from the lens of pioneering new things, even though you may be working with a church uh, who's already established, but seeing new things created. How, how has that been going? How are you wrapping your head around that? Well, I think the, the thing about Forge that, to me, nobody else is offering, and that is this instruction or, or thinking and teaching on uh, context. Mm. Um, we all know, I mean, Jesus, if you read the New Testament, Jesus was always referring to places. Uh, he was known as Jesus of Nazareth. We, he, he had anchored in who he was. Uh, you know, Eugene Peterson translates that John 1, what, 14, 15, the yeah. idea that he moved into the neighborhood. And uh, most of our, pa- I was one, I was 30, uh, when I, before I came here, it was 32 years in traditional church ministry from small to large. And if you would have asked me what my context was back in that time, I would have said the church, yeah. the people. And, and unfortunately, that's not what a context is. Yes, it can be a people, but you know, when many ministers define their context as the local church, they're missing the sentness, they're missing the missiology part of what it means to be in a part of a community. They're just being in the community. That's right. Yeah. Two, two powerful questions that we find ourselves encouraging individuals and church churches to, to ask and answer is to whom have you been sent? Uh, and then a follow-up question is to whom have you been sent with? So who are the people you are sent to and who are the people you are sent with? And I love that you're unlocking that for people in the Michiana area. Yeah, that's wonderful, man. Thanks. 
it's been adventure, you know, after all these years of having my life directed towards a congregation, um, it's been so freeing to be able to focus now on a community instead of a congregation. And even though, you know, we, we, we associate with the free Methodist tradition, and if you go back to the Methodist history, I mean, they were always appointed to an area or a city, not to a church. And, uh, you know, there's a bunch of us now that are saying, hey, wait a minute, that really is the calling that God is, he's located us in a community, not necessarily just a congregation. You just gave a lot of voice to, um, what is the old adage that most pastors say? I'd love, I'd love being a pastor except for the people. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And and generally what they usually mean is, except for the people that I'm directly ministering to inside the congregation. And most pastors, I think, would love to be out there in the community actually interacting with people who want to hear more about Jesus. Um, Okay, that that came across really harsh, and don't hear what I'm not saying. (laughs) I love the local community, the local congregation, and I love pastors and what they're doing. But yeah, you just gave a beautiful voice to that. Well, it's changed my life. Um, and, And Forge has really changed my life because Prior to that, I really would have defined it. And, and then also being spurred on with some of the fresh expression movement of, of just looking for ways that we're going to reach that. In our area, it's about 58%. You know, 58% of the people in my community will never uh, have no interest in religion at all. Now, uh, that, that means that I've got to do something different to connect with them. And we've really identified a neighborhood yeah, our neighborhood has about 400 homes in it, of the association part of it, but our block has about 11 homes and being able to really neighbor well, learning their names, spending time with them, trying to connect with them, that's been transformational for me. Well, here's, here's one of the questions I'm going to throw out to you. This whole season, we have been asking this question over and over again to a lot of different people in a lot of different contexts and would love to hear your answer, especially as somebody who works with a lot of different churches and who has worked in a lot of different churches, like you said, from from small to big, and you're now working in a, um, you know, a smaller church network or micro church network, I guess you would say, launching these and, and working with different churches in your area, in the Michiana area. But the big question for us is, what are the questions the church should be asking? And so as we're, we, we, we usually preface it by saying, as we're coming out of COVID, but now I have no idea if we can actually say that anymore. As we're in the midst of COVID, as in, we're in the midst of whatever the heck that's going on, you know, what are the questions you see that the church should be asking now? Well, I, there's two things that come to my mind uh, as you ask me that question. The first question, I've kind of alluded to it already, is the idea is you know, we spend so much energy and how do we get people to come to us? Uh, I think the question should be, what are the, what, what's my, what is really my community and what are the questions they're asking? Um, what are the things that we, that we can come to them? It's been fascinating for me instead of you know moving from that from that attractional to missional mindset, you know how do I begin to ask questions that people are really connecting with instead of assuming they want to know what I want to know? I have I think we've got to ask that question. The second big question I think we've got to ask is this is this idea of the community and what does it need versus what we are? I, I just was doing some coaching not long ago, with, and I assumed that for me, parenting is a big issue, and we can talk more about that later, but uh, that's kind of been a, our empty field strategy. You know, we thought we would come in and be able to offer some parenting workshops and that kind of stuff, and did a demographic of the immediate area that we are in, and the number one question they're asking is financial. How do we survive financially? I mean, Elkhart is an interesting city. It has a very low unemployed rate because we are the world capital of 
RV industry. I mean, if you want an RV, whether it's a tow behind or whether it's a motorhome or or even the cargo trailers, I mean, we we sell more of that than any place around. And the jobs, I, I mean, it's just everybody has a sign out wanting you know help hiring. So the unemployment is rate is low, but the entry level employment is really high. And before I looked at that demographic study, I would have just assumed that they were asking the same questions I'm asking, and they're not. Uh, they're asking a total different. So, so I think that idea of what is the what is my community asking? What are the questions that they're asking, and how do I respond to them? And then that idea of just reaching: how do we reach people who never will come to our church, no matter how many times we ask them? You know, something that we've heard multiple times this season so far is this idea of curiosity. And I think, Dwight, you nailed it. This idea of just training people, encouraging people to have a just a, a natural curiosity about about other people, the people they don't know, and being willing to ask those kinds of questions. I think that's it, it is it, it's becoming more and more apparent to me how important that the posture is, is taking the posture of curiosity and helping people uh, be able to tell their stories. And, and part of telling their stories is getting their needs. And I know, Dwight, you work with church planters. I've worked with church planting for the last, gosh, I mean, I've been part of church planting for 20, almost 25 years, but actively working with them for the last 14 years. And one of the things that we tell church planters all the time is, is find out the needs of a community. And what often happens is we we send people out to discover the needs of a community and they try to short circuit that by not hearing the story. And I think the only way you can truly find the needs of a community is through the stories. It's hearing the stories of the of people talk and sharing what's going on in, in their world. And so, uh, I mean, I just want to affirm ex- everything that you are thinking and doing uh, as you kind of get boots on the ground. And this is a gr- great question. I think more churches have to ask and ask this question and do the hard work of answering it. Yeah, what it made me think of, Dwight, when you were talking about that was in, in the training that I've been doing here in, in Knoxville, uh, what we've come to find out is our Christian community is a truly almost a community unto itself. It is its own little um, culture. You know, you always talk about the Christian subculture. And a lot of times that Christian subculture has a hard time translating or really actually even hearing and understanding anybody outside of that subculture. Um, we've become so indoctrinated in Christianese or, you know, churchianity that it's hard to actually hear the community. And what you just said there was was absolutely brilliant. The idea of, hey, we need to take the posture of really a missionary, which is what we're about, take the posture of a missionary and listen to your context. What is your context saying? It goes back to the old famous thing that uh, I think Michael Frost put in Road to Missional, the old metaphor of, um, well, he talks about the idea of the guy who invented the stethoscope. Uh, the doctor who invented the stethoscope said, your, your patients are trying to tell you how to heal them. Listen to them, and they will tell you how to heal them. And that is a posture that's hard to, for, for a lot of churches to do, but I think it is a posture that we're reclaiming and saying, how do I listen to my community well? One of the things that kind of intrigued me is how do you ask those questions? How do you get that information? And, uh, you know, naturally, just like a lot of people you know, we did the demographic studies. We happen to use Mission Insight. And there's a lot of tools out there that you can use. But the other thing that blew me away was early on in our experience here, I got invited by the Community Foundation to be a part of what they called um, asset-based community development training. 
And, you know, I sat in, it was in Zoom, uh, which is kind of fascinating, but I sat in this gathering of like 40 to 50 community leaders, and I was blown away at the many different resources that are out there, and which was positive. And then the flip side is I started to ask the question, well, what's missing in this gap? And I, number one, I was blown away with the number, but secondly, I was also intrigued by what was missing. Yeah, asset-based community development, that is huge. So did they go into the opposite of that, which was need-based community development and how the two are different, Dwight? No, they didn't. They focused only on the asset. Yeah, so here's what's interesting. We did a little bit of study on this. And so a lot of times when you look at community development, sometimes you can look at a community and you could say, what are the needs of this community? Maybe they need X, Y, or Z. And then you have outside organizations, outside people, whatever, come in and try to fulfill those needs. That is need-based. Asset-based community development, and from what I understand, is what are the assets in the community that the community already has? So it kind of starts with the idea that everything the community needs already is already there, that God has built into this community what it needs, and then how do you activate and employ the, the assets that are there? Which, you know, I think there are times for both, uh, but the trick is need-based can come off as toxic sometimes. If you, in the classic Bob Lupton version, if you ever read uh, Bob Lupton's Toxic Charity, things like that, When Helping Hurts, and it's because, you know, there's a bit of a savior complex. Like, I'm coming in to save you. I'm going to come in and do this for you, blah, blah, blah. Whereas Asset Base says, how do I empower and equip the community um, to address the issues that are inside of the community? That's beautiful, man. Uh, one of the things we've been doing all season, uh, as well as asking this question, is asking, asking five quick questions. And so we'd love to hear uh, just a little bit more uh, about some of the things that you're reading, watching, and things that have been happening. So uh, are you ready for these five questions? Shoot it. Go, go for it. Let's do it. All right. Question one. Uh, what are you reading right now? Well, I'm currently reading a book that is it's fascinating for me because it's one of those I wish I would have read 30 years ago, you know, type of things. Terry Linhart is a friend who is one of the professors at Bethel uh, College or Bethel University in Mishawaka. And uh, Terry's written a book, uh, The Self-Aware Leader. Um, and I, I, you know, it's, I, I, it's a great book. It really is. And it's like, every time I get into one of those workshop parts of it, oh man, why did I do this? You know, I should have asked this a long time ago, but I didn't. It's a great uh, tutorial for really as a young leader to, to form and to shape. And as an older leader, it's a great tool to go back and say, oh, hey, that's a blind spot. Because he talks a lot about blind spots in his book. Yeah. That, that's the beautiful thing about mentorship, right? It, yeah. It, no, no 21-year-old leader is self-aware. Nope. <laughs> it's, 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 that's, that's, that's impossible. But it, when you have a mentor who can help point some of that out, that's wonderful. What was the name of the book and the author again? Terry Linhart. Okay. And the book is called The Self-Aware Leader. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. We, we all need more self-awareness, right? Mm -hmm. well, that's good. That's great. Uh, question two, uh, what are you watching? Anything good that you've been binging or, or working working through? Well, in the summer, it seems all the good shows are over. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, as a family, we've kind of, Julie and I have kind of enjoyed um, the, the Ninja Warrior series, you know, that's kind oh, of yeah. exercise. And, you know, I, I we, we, we can all correct their moves and none of us could actually do it. So that's right. uh, it, it, hasn't mo it hasn't got me off the couch and motivated me to do any more exercise. But it's been fun watching them uh, drown themselves in the pond or pool. That's awesome. That's so great. That's a fun show for sure. Uh, question three. Well, what's the funniest thing that's happened during quarantine? So over the last, you know, I guess 18 months now, 19 and going on 20. Over the last handful of months, uh, what's the funniest thing that's happened during quarantine? Or if you can't think of anything funny, what's some of the, what's something that's 
that's been really, really cool that you've experienced during quarantine? Well, not seriously funny, but uh, we, you know, like I mentioned earlier, we moved into our neighborhood, our target area about three weeks before the pandemic. So uh, and everything's been kind of shut down, but there's one uh, neighbor who actually reached out to us even before we physically moved in because we bought the house like in all oh, December and we didn't move till February. And uh, she's um, uh, Vietnamese. Um, first, she immigrated to the U.S. and she, she's a fascinating person who we found out later that at one point was married to a missionary, uh, has uh, a very interesting um uh, religious culture to her, a little bit of, uh, it's like a lot of things wrapped into one, you know? Mm. And so she found out that we were um, church planners. So she assumed that, you know, she only knew one kind of church planning. Right. So she actually told everybody in the neighborhood that we're planning a church. So now that we're trying to do neighborhood ministry and kind of build connections and, and build relationships, uh, she can't figure out why we aren't, uh, you know, call, inviting everybody to come to our house and she doesn't understand quite what we're doing. And, and like, everybody's totally confused. Like, really, what is he? What does he do? You know, like you, you invite him over and it's like, uh, this is really Amway or is it, you know, <laughs> what is this? And so it's, it, I guess it's funny and it's not funny, but for my whole career, I've always tried to avoid that question. What do you do? Yeah. Uh, because, you know, I remember the days in the golf course when you'd ask that, usually you got to about the third hole and and it just screwed up their game because they couldn't swear anymore and they couldn't do yeah. this, they couldn't do that. And, and it was great advantage for my golfing, but <laughs> in the neighborhood, there's not been a bit of advantage to what do you do for a living? So uh, my neighbors don't understand me. So I've recently started saying, well, we're I'm a, I'm a leadership coach and, you know, we work with church planners and that kind of stuff. And, you know, they see this group come over to our house every week, but they don't know what to make of us. So I guess it's, it's funny and yet not funny, kind of frustrating. I wish you wouldn't have told everybody that. That's right. Yeah. No, that's beautiful. Uh, I, and I love the, I love the pivot. I love the, that's cause that's what I tell people. I am. I'm just a leadership coach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's perfect. Uh, all right. Uh, question four, uh, what brings you life right now when you, what's bringing you a lot of an immense amount of joy and peace? Well, as we moved into this area, again, we were we were building our strategy on the four fields or the four soils in the parable. And, you know, we really wrestled with what's our empty field strategy? You know, how you're coming into a, a field that has not been cared for, what do you do? And so we began to cultivate um, a, a lot of connections. Uh, and we felt over the years, our, our history has been around parenting. We've in almost every church we've led, we've or been a part of, we've in, organized some kind of a small group or a community group or Sunday school class or something, depending on the era and the time. And it, it, it usually was about young families, young adults and parenting. And so we assumed that's where it was going to be. And God has used that to just open a ton of doors, just incredible doors um, and so we've recently connected with an organization that uses an international parenting curriculum called Triple P, which it literally stands for Positive Parenting Prince or Program. Not very creative, but anyway, it's a it's an evidence based curriculum, and it has been so much fun to begin to connect uh, with families that we would have never connected with. In fact, an organization who uses this has just uh, hired me as a uh, part of our co-vocational uh, you know, income stream, a, a small 10 hour a week arrangement to be their marketplace representative. I'll be the face of Triple P in the marketplace. And, and so we're um, 
you know, we're going to be meeting with companies and corporations and all those who have employees anywhere from 40 to 4,000 and, and encouraging them instead of getting their people to come to our workshops, we literally want to take our workshops to the factories, which is so ironic because part of our strategy was to do that very thing of creating these micro groups in factory break rooms and teachers lounges and, you know, coffee shops and all the kind of stuff. So the idea, the parallel idea of, of taking, so to speak, ministry to the people versus getting people to leave where they are and come to us has just been kind of full circle. So that's been probably the life-giving thing for me right now. And, and literally, um, I just came from a meeting with team leaders of how do we, you know, we're doing that very thing. How do we take the message to where people are instead of getting people to come to, you know, a school or a library or something like that. So that's been enormously life-giving for me. Oh, man, that's wonderful. That's so great. Uh, and then final question, Dwight, man, what do you love about home? Uh, what's one of your favorite things about Elkhart? This is an interesting town. I mean, it really is. It's economically challenged in that it's a lot of lower income. There's not not all low. It has very varied on, 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 on the income levels, but it's also fairly diverse. We have a high... Um, uh, Latino population, uh, probably 37% of our population are Latino, which for the Northwest, that's Midwest, that's for, that's fairly significant. We do have some uh, well, 17, 18% African-American, which I wish it was more than that. But we have a great network of those African-American churches and those kind of things. So there's a lot of adventure there. Uh, we just have, you know, we're learning to live in a new area. Um, yeah. Two weekends ago, last weekend, two weekends ago, we hosted a national uh, go-kart Grand Prix in town. Awesome. And, uh, you know, three or four blocks south of us is a really cool park that they host concerts, uh, band concerts every uh, once, actually once a week. And downtown is they spent a lot of money in the last five years of, of uh, updating and, and kind of bringing it up to speed. And there's this, they do a national, in fact, Elkhart actually at one time was the world pre, uh, made more band instruments than any other city in the country. Uh, you wouldn't think of it that, but if you if you played band in high school you, in a woodwind or uh, excuse me a brass instrument, you could have well played a con. Well, con started here. Con Selmer started here. Um, a, a lot of companies are here, and so literally this place hosts an annual jazz festival that is world class. I mean, it's just wow. incredible. There last year, and it was the first year coming out of the pandemic. They still hosted like. Um, 12 different stages and you know your concerts for two days and uh there's just a lot of things to do you got to get off your couch to do them but there's just quite a variety yeah. of cultures and people and then things to, to engage with and it's it's not a big city i mean this is 50 this city is 58,000 people um you know the county is is about 208,000 so it's not not huge areas but it's um, a lot of good things are happening and great people. It's just great people. Yeah. Ah, that's so, that's so great. Well, Dwight, thanks for being on the podcast today, man. Uh, you've, you've brought in some great insight and raised some great questions and we love hearing more about you and uh, getting to hear your story. And we look forward to having you on again in the future. Hey, if the area comes to your mind, pray for us because we'd love to host We could host up to four forge groups this next year, which is pretty scary for me, but at the same time, pretty exciting. And uh, uh, again, working with churches, trying to get them to look outside their box. So if you think of Michiana or Elkhart, pray for us. We really appreciate your prayers. 
Yeah. And if you're listening and you're anywhere near the Indiana, Michigan area, even if you're not technically in the Michigan area, Dwight would be a fantastic resource to reach out. I know I just recently connected him with someone in the Indianapolis area. And so if you're anywhere in that Midwest area, uh, Dwight uh, would be a fantastic contact. So reach out to him. Dwight, you give one more time, give us the best website and best email to contact you. Well, our local ministry site is just M-I-Michiana for missionigniter.michiana.org and um, or Mission Igniter and you can flip, flip down through the tabs to Michiana uh, as well. Very cool. Awesome. Well, thanks, Dwight. Well, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you would like to rate us on iTunes or Spotify or however you do that, feel free to do that to help get the word out to other people. And if you have any questions about Forge America, feel free to reach out to us at forgeamerica.com. Until next time, we'll see you then.